This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with interesting and influential people in and around the Wet Mountain Valley. And today is a very special day. Very pleased to be joined by the founding father of radio in the Wet Mountain Valley, Lou Kravitz. Lou, welcome to KLZR. Thanks. It's good to be back to the valley. Now, I'm going to start at the very beginning, the seed of the idea that maybe a radio station would have a a place here in the valley. Tell us about the the very earliest days of radio here in the valley. I was reading a magazine. I think it may have been Time magazine. And there was just a little four or five sentence box that said the FCC was uh, inviting offers for community-based radio stations. And I knew nothing about radio stations, but uh, I did know a little bit about how Washington worked. So I called our lawyer and uh, asked him if he had a department within his law firm that dealt with the FCC, and they did. So that was step one. And had you been involved in radio at any level before that time? Other than listening, no. So it was all brand new. And who else was involved in the initial effort to get radio started here? Well, certainly Bob Thomason was... uh, a key mover and shaker, but before we could get started, part of the FCC bid process was that it had to be a community-based radio station owned by a nonprofit. So we had to find a friendly nonprofit that would allow us to use their name so we could apply for the license. And we found uh, Ann Ralph at the theater. Uh, she volunteered her her organization to front us as a nonprofit. We sent the application to the FCC. We waited six months. We waited another six months. We more or less forgot about it. And then we were notified that we had a construction permit to build a community radio station. How did you envision a radio station serving the community? Probably something like Northern Exposure, uh, the TV show. However, uh, We were a long way from that, certainly. And what were some of the earliest challenges that you faced getting started? Everything was a challenge. Um, First, not knowing anything about radio wasn't our big asset, but we really didn't know how the whole procedure worked. We knew we had a construction permit. So at that time, I was working tending bar at Sangrita, working my way through college, and there were a group of three men and a woman that came in every night, drank uh, beer for a few hours, and we got into conversation, of course. And it turns out that was Radio Bob McDonald, his brother Brian, their cousin Danny, and Brian's ex-wife, Allison. And as we became friendly, found out that Bob and Brian's father went to Brooklyn Tech High School pretty much the same time I did back in Brooklyn, New York. And it turned out that uh, they build radio stations. So I went into the back of the restaurant and brought out the construction permit. And I said, what the hell do we do with this? And they said, you had uh, 18 months to build it. You didn't do anything for 17 months. You have one month to get it up and running. Otherwise, you lose your permit. So I asked them to help. They did. The boys built the entire station. They donated the tower. They uh, helped us engineer the antenna, and uh, we were up and running in time. 
And when was this? A long time ago. I would say probably 15 years ago. So the license was for 100-watt transmission. The uh, 100 watts took us about four miles out of town on a good day. We had connectivity problems. We had power failures. Uh, the people that became involved in the radio station were really not radio people, uh, not media people at all, but uh, through it all, uh, particularly thanks to Bob Thomason, uh, who engineered us along with the McDonald brothers, and we probably were up and running 85% or 90% of the time. Was there a point in time or points in time where you thought that perhaps this just might not happen? Probably every day because there seemed to be a new issue. We later found out, I think about, uh, or I think the FCC granted something like several thousand licenses to community radio stations, of which less than 10% were actually built and functioning, and less than 5% stayed in business for more than a year. So we're really unique here, and I say I give the credit to uh, the people that were instrumental at the time, not just Bob Thomason, Shauna Lewis, Joni Liebman, Chris Derrick was with us for a while. When we put up the tower, uh, the engineering was done for us by Bob Gilchrist. To put the tower uh, base in was done by Art Nordyke. People just came. They thought it was kind of a fun thing to do to get involved, donate their time, let us use their equipment. And uh, I think at the end of the day, we built the station for less than $15,000, where it should have probably cost over $100,000. And uh, we were up and running, but of course, every day there was a new problem. Well, it's a, it's a remarkable community, and uh, I've, I've been involved in the station for just a handful of years, but uh, at the very beginning, I attended a conference in Colorado Springs of, of uh, small radio stations, and I thought that there would be a number of radio stations like KWMV at the time, all volunteer and, and keep things running just on the spirit of the community, but I was surprised that we were the only all-volunteer radio station represented at that conference, and it's been my experience that, that the resources in this community are, are rather remarkable. Uh, not just for the radio station, but for most everything in this community, and the, the man and woman hours that have been put into the station have been remarkable, and uh, the people that brought this struggling 100-watt station to where it where it is today. Uh, the names I mentioned before, plus Steve Chandler, Gary Taylor, yourself, many other people. It's just amazing what they've accomplished, how far they've come. And if one just goes on the website, one says, this is really a professional operation, not knowing it's run by 30 volunteers. So you have a radio station that has been built from the ground, the antenna's been constructed, and now you're faced with the question of what sort of content you're going to place on the radio. Tell us about that process. Well, I was very certain on every board meeting, very sure on every board meeting, uh, to insist that the content has no political implications because uh, People in town, even in those days, and now maybe in the country, identify themselves to one political party or another, one uh, uh, 
view of conservatism to another view of liberalism. I wanted the station to remain neutral. And actually, part of the FCC guidelines for community stations is that they are neutral. And we've had, I wouldn't say issues, but we've had some discussions. Uh, I did want to bring Rush Limbaugh on, but uh, that got knocked down, and, and uh, other people wanted to bring on someone from NPR, and that did get accepted. So there is give and take. But I think the content is... Where it is right now, it's mostly music. It's an incredible variety of, of uh, genres. And that uh, it's just another reason for people that are part of the station to be proud of the station and proud of themselves. And tell us about your personal taste in music and how that related to uh, the, the early musical programming on KWMV. I'm kind of a country music guy. I find now that as I get older, I like oldies. Um, I think my taste in music is is uh, not evolving, but I can listen to jazz for an hour and then not want to listen to it for a week. I can listen to the blues for two hours and then not listen to them for a month. So I like pretty much everything, but probably country is still number one. So these days we have tens of thousands of cuts of music in our digital library, but I understand in the very beginning... Uh, the te- musical content was delivered a little differently than we do today. Um, yeah, of course, it was prehistoric the way it was delivered. Uh, Will Sybil, who I should have mentioned earlier, was downloading CD after CD, and and uh, once a week he'd he'd send us a note that he's just downloaded another four thousand songs, and uh, it was definitely a process. Things have become more digitalized and more modernized, so that's a good thing. You have a, perhaps an interesting story or two to tell us um, from the, the journey in the early days of radio here in the Valley. One of my memories was uh, 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 putting on a new antenna, which uh, meant having to take one off the tower. The tower is 60 feet, we called Andy and Rebecca Kagan. They have the at the time they had the largest uh, crane in town, and uh, their crane went 60 feet. So it entailed having their crane at maximum reach capacity, and Brian McDonald up on top of the tower, removing the old antenna, putting on the new one, hanging by a thin leather strap, and. We have pictures of it that are in somewhere in the in the station's library. But that was just an incredible day and and incredible bravery for Brian. And we got it done. And at the end of the day, we said to the Kagans, "That was fabulous. How much do we owe you?" And they said, "We love the radio station. It's on us." And I think that that shows how the town has reacted basically to the radio station. That says a lot about the community, doesn't it? It does. So tell me about what it was like for you to hear the broadcast driving down the street for the very first time hearing KWMV on the air. Well, for the very first time, it didn't last very long. By the time I got out of town, we barely made it through the first song before I lost reception. But uh, as any accomplishment with anyone, you kind of give yourself a high five and say, that's great, okay, what do we do for our next act? And after that, it was just a continuing process of making the radio station better, making uh, longer reach, making it more consistent. 
and that took hours and hours and hours of teamwork, not for me because I'm not a technical person, but for the people that fiddled with it all the time. Do you have the sense, Lou, that volunteers in radio are, are any different than volunteers in other areas of community service? I think other areas of community service, one could be passionate about um, uh, trying to get a, uh, uh, help a certain group of people or trying to make the community a better place in one way or another, being affiliated with a religious organization. So there's lots of things to be passionate about. But people that are involved in the radio station, they like music. They don't necessarily agree on genre, which is a good thing because the station plays many genres. And they like to communicate with the community through radio. And they may be driving in their car and they say, ah, I put that song on and there's a hundred people listening to it. So it's a connection as, as people would have with a band or any musical uh, accompaniment with an orchestra with anything that's connected with music, there's a certain magic that's created, and radio is part of that. What are your thoughts about the state of radio in the Wet Mountain Valley when you return to the area and listen to KLZR? I think it's fabulous. I left the radio station. We were still struggling uh, with communication issues and with other issues. And then people came that were far more qualified than me, particularly Steve Chandler and, and Gary Taylor and the remaining people on the board that I mentioned before. And they brought it to a new level. They brought it to a level that I probably didn't have the capability of doing myself. So that was timely for them. And I may have planted the seed, but that is 1% of where this station is right now. You know, the, the 99% belongs to the people that have spent long, arduous hours making it what it is today. And radio here in the Valley has come uh, uh, quite a ways from the postage stamp studio over at the Jones Theater in the early days. It certainly has. And when you walk into what was formerly known as the Porth Building, I don't know if it's known as the Chandler Building now, uh, we have modern studios, offices, equipment for live recording. It's probably as good as stations that are in larger locales that have a lot more money. And it's gotten to where it is today through volunteers and through contributions. Well, Lou, it's been a pleasure to meet and chat with you today, and thank you for coming in to visit with us in Valley Views. It's always a pleasure to come back to the Valley and, and always a pleasure to touch base with the radio station and the people that are operating it now and look forward to bigger and better things for it in the future.